0: Go ahead and get your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 14. And um, I'll, um, I'll probably move rather quickly this morning or for what's left of this morning. I'll move really quickly for the next four minutes, but this afternoon I'm going to take my time. No, Mandy told me I got to be done early. She's got places to be. So Matthew chapter 14. I want to start a new series that we're calling Greatest Hits. And if you are, uh, if you've been part of the Christian music culture for the last 20 years, just consider this volume one of WOW 2023. <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're probably better off. But uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the greatest hits of the Bible, some of the greatest hits of the Word, and uh, today we're going to start with a story that you will probably all know, whether this, this could be your first time in church in 20 years, and this will be a story that you've probably heard of, or at least know in some capacity. If nothing else, you may have seen the Veggie Tales episode, and uh, that'll actually probably uh, become the reality for a lot of these stories. But let's go ahead and go to Matthew 14, starting with verse 22, and I bet you'll figure it out pretty quick. It may even be in the heading of your Bible, if you've got one open. It says, Immediately after this, uh, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. While he sent the people home, Jesus had just fed the 5,000 through the disciples. And, and so what he is telling his disciples, you guys get in a boat, go to the other side of the lake. I'm going to send the people on home. In verse 23, it says, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble. You ever been in trouble before? This is interesting. The disciples were in trouble far away from land. You ever been in trouble and felt like your help was a long way off? John has. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified, and they cried out, It's a ghost! Because what else would you think if you're out in the middle of a body of water and you see some dude out there walking on it in the middle of a storm? Jesus spoke to them at once. Verse 27, Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. And then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come on, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water towards Jesus. Come on, isn't that pretty cool? I'm going to say this. If you have never tried to walk on water before, you're missing out. I don't even know if you're really a Christian if you've never tried to walk on water before. If you've never at least given a mud puddle a shot just to see if it would hold you up. But anyway, verse 30, But when, he saw, when Peter saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified, and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. And the disciples worshipped him and said, You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. Now, in case you did not gather, we are talking about the greatest hit of when Jesus and... Peter walked on water together. Now, here is some interesting Bible trivia for you. Now, I don't know about you, but I love Bible trivia information. I just love trivia information in general. But Luke does not record the story of Jesus walking on water. Only Matthew Mark, and John. Now, we read from Matthew's story because Matthew tells it and he includes Peter in the story. However, John, when he tells the story, he has nothing to say about Peter walking on water. Now, if you were here Easter, you already know why I, why I think that that happened. It's because when John wrote his gospel, he was like, you know what? I'm just going to focus on the important stuff. I'm just going to focus on Jesus because that jerk Peter, who cares about him? Because if I had to bet, my bet is that John was jealous that Peter had the courage to get out of the boat and walk on water, right? Can I get any amens in the house today? And so John was like, I'm going to tell the story and I'm just going to leave Peter out of it because he's not that important anyway. He's so full of himself already. And then Mark doesn't include Peter walking on the water either. Now, here's my suspicion. And again, if you were here Easter, you heard me talk about this. But Mark's gospel, we believe, was uh, primarily given from the apostle Peter. It was Mark listening to Peter talk about Jesus and talk about his life with Jesus and his time with Jesus. And Mark writes these things down. And here is my suspicion, is that when Peter gets to this story, talking about Jesus and him walking on water, he is probably so focused on his failure of sinking that he's like, you know what? They don't need to know about that part of the story. And it's funny because I compare and contrast him and John. John doesn't want people to know that Peter walked on water, and Peter doesn't want people to know that he sank in the water. And then Matthew's just like, you know what, guys, I don't, I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm just going to tell it like it is. And so that's why we read it from Matthew's version of the story. And so you may have heard this story before. In fact, I am almost confident you've heard this story. You've probably heard several sermons preached on this story. In fact, if you've been attending LifeHouse long enough, you may have heard me preach on this story before. But hey, guess what? The Word of God is living and active. And it has the power today to do something fresh and new in each one of us. So can we go to the Lord in prayer one more time? as we seek after his presence. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for these stories, God, that are not just legends or myths, but Father, that they are about real people who encountered the real Jesus. And I pray... That your word will become living and active in each of our spirits, God, that you would build our faith. You said in your word, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And so, Father, I pray that no matter how many times we've heard it, no matter how many times we've read it, that your word would, would do what it needs to do in us today, God. That it would bring about transformation, Father, that it would accomplish the miraculous, Lord, that it would encourage the discouraged, and God, that it would build our faith faith in Christ. And we pray this in his holy name and life house set. Amen. Now, if you will allow me, what I'm going to do is just go back through and we're going to take this verse by verse and we're just going to pull out some nuggets here and there and see how this story that happened 2000 years ago about Jesus and a fisherman taking a walk on some waves has impact and meaning to us today. You guys cool with that? All right. Verse 22. It said immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Now, I have a question for you, and there is only one right answer. Does Jesus know all things? Yeah. And so what does it say Jesus did in order to get his disciples back into the boat? He insisted. He was, he was very insistent that, hey, y'all get in the boat. Now, here is what is interesting to me, Amanda. Jesus is full, fully aware that a storm is on the way. He may not have been a meteorologist, but he was the one who formed it all, right? He was the one who spoke it all into existence. And so he knows a storm is coming. And he looks at his disciples and he says, Hey, it's time for you to get back into the boat and go to the other side of the lake. Now, I don't think they knew a storm was coming. Because I think if they knew a storm was coming, they would have been like, You know what, Jesus, I think we're good right here, actually. But he insists that they get in the boat and they go to the other side. He purposefully sends them into the storm. Now, here's the thing about life. Sometimes storms just happen. Sometimes storms happen because we make bad decisions. I really feel that one. I would say a solid 90% of the storms of my life are a result of my, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And then I would even also say, at least according to this story, I think sometimes the Lord actually sends us into the middle of a storm. He kind of pushes us off into the deep end because he knows that that even though the storm is coming, we need to face the storm. Because it's only in the middle of the storm that God can then do something in us. And so I want to encourage you today to never allow the feeling of God's silence or even his absence. Because Jesus didn't go with him into the storm. He wasn't in the boat with him. He didn't go into... Now, there, there were other storms, and he was in the boat. You can go read about it. In some cases, he was even taking a nap, right? And they wake him up, and, and he gets irritated, and he walks out, and he says, Peace be still, and they're all like, Wow, that was, a, that was pretty cool. But not in this case. He's not even with him in the storm. So wherever you are, whatever you're going through, and some of you, I look around this room, and I know some of the places that where you are right now. I know some of the things that you're going through right now. I want you to know he sees you. He knows you. He sees that struggle. He sees that pain. But he's got a plan. He's got a purpose. That this this storm that you're facing right now, he's doing a work in it. And and here's the thing about storms as well. You know, sometimes they just happen. Sometimes we cause them. And then sometimes even the Lord sends them our way. But the the hard truth about storms is as long as you're breathing, as long as you're living, you're going to face storms. You may may be in this room today, and you may be in the middle of a storm, and you might be looking forward to the day that it's over. and, And this too shall pass, but there will be another storm. There will, be an, there, will, there will be another challenge. There will be another problem. There, there will be something else that's going to bring about pain. And, and, the, and you're going to get through that storm as well. And then, and then you might have a short season of reprieve. And then there will be another storm. Because for all of us in the room today, there is one thing that is true about all of us. Either we are in a storm, we have just exited a storm, or we are entering a storm. And so Jesus says, or, or Matthew tells us in verse 23, after sending them home, talking about the 5,000, he went up in the hills by himself to pray, and night fell while he was there alone. I can't help but just believe that Jesus, knowing that he is sending his disciples into the middle of this raging storm, says, you know what, I might not be with them physically, but I'm going to go pray for them. I'm going to pray that their courage will be strong. I'm going to pray that they'll be safe. Verse 24, Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. For a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. Now, they were far away from land. It's important to, to see that in the text, which is to say that they were a long way away from safety. And crossing this lake should not have taken as long as it should have taken. And many of you today, you were sitting in this room uh, at various ages and at various stages of life thinking to yourself, you know, by the time I was this age, I thought I would be further along than I am now. You're sitting there and you're thinking, uh, now that I've brought it up anyway, you're starting to think about, you know, I thought at this point in my life things would be a little bit more put together than they are. I thought that financially things would be a little better than they are. I thought that by now my marriage would be a little better than it is. I thought that by now in my career I would be more advanced than I am. Because some of you have had this preferred destination in sight and you have set out on the you know, the proverbial sea of life going towards it and you have left safety in the rearview mirror but along the way the winds and the waves have been fighting you and pushing you back and pushing you off course and where you wanted to go is not where you find yourself today. And can I just tell you just as a a word of encouragement that wherever you are, you are exactly where the Lord wants you to be. And he can move in your life, and he can do a work in your life, no matter if the storm has come because you've made mistakes, no matter if the storm has come because someone else has made mistakes, and no matter if the storm has come because he sent the storm to your front door. And the Lord wants to move in your life. And, 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 and just because you are not where you thought you would be doesn't mean that he's not working on your behalf. I actually talked to a gentleman after our first service who said this right here was just for him. He just thought at this point in his life, at this stage of the game, at this, at this age, at this hour, that everything would be different than it is. And my friend, it's so easy to listen to the words of the enemy and to get discouraged and think that where you are is not good enough. But the Lord says, listen, if you will let me, I can do exceedingly, abundantly above anything you could ever think, ask, or imagine. Right where you are right now. Verse 25, about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, walking on the water. Isn't it awesome to understand that no matter where you are, he's never that far away. It says, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And in fear, they cried out, "'It's a ghost!' Now, now we don't know exactly how far away they were from Jesus or how close Jesus had gotten to the boat, but we know that that, that he was far enough away that they could not recognize his face until he spoke to them. And, and so this is what it says. Jesus in verse 27 spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said, Take courage, I am here. I love how explicit Matthew is and the way he communicates Jesus talking to his disciples. It says that Jesus spoke to them at once. In other words, when he showed up, there was no delay in his encouragement. He didn't walk up to the situation and go, hey, guys, how's it going? Seems like y'all are having trouble out here. Sure would be nice if you had a Savior somewhere out here on the water with you. But no, the word tells us that he began to speak encouragement at once. And he said, don't be afraid. I am here. Or I like to to read the way I think it's initially or originally trying to communicate. Don't be afraid. The I am is here. The I am has showed up. And, And notice that in this moment when Jesus is offering his encouragement to his disciples, the storm doesn't stop. And and many of us have this preconceived notion that when God shows up in my life, everything automatically gets easier. But my friend, that's not true. When God shows up in your life, everything automatically gets better, but it does not necessarily get easier. In fact, a lot of times it will get harder because the Lord doesn't make things easier. If if anything, sometimes His presence makes things more complicated, but in a beautiful way. Because His presence makes everything better. You see, we have this idea so often that, that once I get this debt paid off, once I get this house paid off, once I get this loan paid off, once I get this relationship worked out, once my kid starts acting right, once my kid moves out, or once, you know, once I get this degree, or once I get this job, or once I get this raise, or, or once when I get healthy, that then life will be what life is supposed to be. But how many of you have lived long enough to know that when one thing gets worked out, there's always something else? And, and here's the truth, and if you're taking notes, write this down. Peace is not found in the absence of problems. Jesus said in, his, Jesus said in John 16 He made us a promise. He said, In this world, you will have trouble. Thanks for that. It would have been a lot better if He said, You know, in this world, ah, don't worry about it, guys, we're good. No, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. You know, that's just as powerful and true of a promise as Jesus saying that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But thankfully, he doesn't leave us alone there in John 16, He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Here's the thing. Peace is not found in the absence of problems because you're always going to have problems. Once one problem is figured out, another problem will arise. And and even if you did, even if you did get out of the debt, even if you did have all the money, even if your relationships were all perfect, even if if all the things and all the dreams that you've ever hoped for uh, came into fruition, that would not guarantee you a joy-filled, peace-filled life. Just look at the people in this world who do have all the money, who do have all the fame. And who do have all the power. And if their lives can serve as any example to us, it is to show us that that those things do not equal peace. Those things do not equal joy. Because peace is not found in the absence of problems. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. As long as you live, you're going to have problems. As long as you live, you're gonna face storms. But as long as you live, you'll never have to face them alone. When Jesus shows up, the very first thing he does is he casts out fear. And and, and while we're reading from Matthew's account of this story here, we kind of, you know, we kinda had a little something to say about John leaving the Peter walking on water. He, John did say something several years later. He wrote in his epistle in 1 John. 418, he says, perfect love casts out all fear, or perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, he says, it's because we fear punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Today, if you you stop and you think for a moment, and, and you find yourself fearful over anything, fearful over the future, fearful over an unresolved situation that you're facing, fearful over something financial, fearful over uh, something going on in our country, and our world, fearful over something you're dealing with in your health, I want to encourage you to ask the Lord right now to help you experience His perfect love. His perfect love expels, it casts out fear. Let me say it like this. My daughter, my two older daughters are in the room right now and and do, do, does Daddy every so often like to pick you up and twist you around and throw you and stuff like that? Yeah, he does. He does. This this could go really south for me, so I, I don't know how they're going to respond. We didn't plan. Did I talk to you guys about this in advance? I didn't. So they may give me the wrong answer. Now, now, Olivia, Julia, when I when I tend to pick you girls up and I and I and I'm playing with y'all and and I throw you over my shoulder and stuff like this, do you sometimes scream? Yeah. Do you sometimes go, oh, no, Daddy, don't drop me, don't drop me, don't drop me? Yeah. You know why? You know, you know why they don't do that, though? Because how, how many times have I dropped you? Well, Julia says once. Where's your mama at? I ain't never dropped you, girl. So often. Often in our relationship with the Lord, God is, because of his love for us, is pushing us out into uncharted territory in our life, in our walk with him and things that we're facing. And we are allowing fear to dominate our thoughts, allowing fear to dominate our minds. And the entire time he would say to us, listen, why are you so fearful? How many times have I dropped you? I have a pretty good track record of being able to take care of your situations. I have a pretty good track record of being able to help you face your storms his perfect love when we realize how good his love is when we realize how strong his hand is when we realize how faithful his heart is we don't have to live in fear anymore because we know that come whatever storm may come he's got me I'm in his hand and he's in control come on can we praise the Lord for that his presence is what brings peace and his love tells fear, it's time for you to leave. In verse 28, Peter calls to him, Lord, I love this so much. If it's really you. In other words, Jesus is far enough away from Peter that he is still not fully convinced, is this really Jesus? Am I really seeing what I think I'm seeing? If it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Jesus says, come on, big boy. John's over there with his arms crossed saying, "I'll watch this guy sink, you know. Matthew's over there with his notebook saying, I'm just going to write down whatever happens. Come on, big boy. So Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water towards Jesus. I don't know how far he walked. I don't know how far away Jesus was. But like we said earlier, he was far enough away that that Peter had a hard time recognizing, at least looking at him, to understand if it was Jesus. In my life, one thing that I know to be certain is that the longer you follow Jesus, the more you will realize that he never calls us into the calm and the easy. Several years ago, a friend of mine called me and he said, hey, I've got this opportunity to take a job in Knoxville. And he started giving me all the reasons why it was a bad idea. He started telling me about how the financial situation may not work out. He started talking to me about how where they were was stable and secure. And he started to explain to me that everything about where he was felt and looked and sounded good. And everything about the move felt and looked and sounded hard and difficult. But then he... he, he He ended the conversation or his part of the conversation, but saying, he said, you know, but I feel like in my heart, this is what the Lord wants me to do. But I can't understand why would God want me to do something that seems like such a bad idea? And I said to my friend, I said, man, have you you ever read the Bible? Like, have you ever, if you ever, if you ever read this story, and we'll probably get to it in our sermon series here soon, you know, when, when Joshua and the Israelites approach a huge wall, you know, God says, why don't y'all just walk around it for a few days, see what happens? I mean, that there's no logic in that. There, there's no understanding in that. You know, when, when Gideon, and we'll hit this one as well, when Gideon has his 30,000 troops and they're going to go fight the, the Midianites and, and God says, you know what? I think 30,000 is too many. How about, let's try it with 300. Oh, and by the way, you don't need any swords or spears. Just go get some trumpets and some, some jars and some torches. I don't take care of them. Like, like if you, if you ever read the Bible and thought to yourself, like, like God, do you do you know what you're doing? Like, like you, you're, I mean, and and if, if you don't read the Bible this way, I'm sorry, but I do like every story I read where God shows up in a powerful way, the whole time I'm reading it, I'm thinking, God, you made that a lot harder than it had to be. (laughs) And and, and maybe even in your own prayer life, in your own life, have you ever thought to yourself, like, God, why don't you just do the thing? Like, Lord, I've prayed the prayer, I believe, and, and so Why don't you just do the thing and I don't know why but I know that he never calls us into calm and easy. I know that he never calls us uh, to, to a place that is easier than where we are. And I know that anytime he calls us to move forward in faith, it's always going to take some risk. It's always going to take us overcoming some fear. And it's always going to take us keeping our eyes and ears and hearts focused on Jesus. And so I told my friend Ben Stiefel several years ago, I said, man, I don't know what the Lord is doing in you, but I just started pastoring a church at." Oak no Ridge and I think the Lord is in it so come on man and here we are several years later him and his wife are leading our kids house ministry doing an incredible job aren't you thankful for the hand of God and people in our church and all, all the families in here that have moved from California and, and Nevada, Nevada Nevada I can't say it Nevada 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 whatever I'm from Mississippi it's the best I got okay the Lord has called you out of where you are into a new place. And guess what, my friends? He's still calling. That's right. he's, still, he's still provoking us. Hey, come on out. Come on out. Listen, the water's not just fine. Right. Right. The water's not just fine. In fact, if you'll look around at the surroundings, you'll see a storm. And you'll see waves. And you'll see wind. And you'll see difficulties. But if you'll keep your eyes focused, you'll find me right in the middle of every bit of it. And so Peter gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on the water towards Jesus, walking into uncharted unknowns. But my friend, that is always where he's at. Verse 30, but when Peter saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. You know, several years ago when I read this story, I remember reading it and thinking to myself, it says Peter saw the wind. And it occurred to me that you can't really see wind. You can see the effects of wind, but you can't actually see wind. And so Peter saw something that wasn't there. It reminds me of how oftentimes that our fears are rooted in the unknowns of life. You know, all the what ifs and and the what could be's. And Peter started looking at things that weren't there. And he started looking at the storm that was around him. And, and you guys know this story. He, he takes his eyes off of Jesus, right? And he begins to sink. And, you know, we, we like to beat up Peter for that, right? But until you walk on water, you probably should stop judging him. Because the boy walked on water a whole lot more than he sank in water. And then he prayed the most powerful prayer in all of scripture, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached down his hand and he pulled him out. And, and, and I just want to say this when we talk about fear, fear looks into the future. Come on, this, this is good to write down here. Fear looks into the future and trusts that Satan will show up and have his way. Fear looks into the future and trusts that Satan will show up and have this way. Many of you right, right now, you, you're, you're sitting in this room and there are things that are unresolved in your life. Things that you are facing, things that you are going through, things that you are wondering about, things that you are curious about, things that you want to hope for but you almost don't want to hope for because you're so afraid that if you hope for it, you're going to have your hopes let down. But I want to remind you today that that, 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 that future that you're imagining when things don't go your way that's, that's fear leading that charge. And that is not what the Lord wants for you. Because when he shows up on the scene, the very first thing he does is cast out fear. So fear looks into the future and imagines what, what Satan's going to do if he has his way. But faith, my friend, will look into the future and trust that Jesus will show up and have his way in your life, in your situation, in your circumstances, and in your storm. You might be sitting there right now, and you might feel like you're sinking. And can I just tell you, I'm so glad you're at church today. I'm so glad that there are people in this room who will show up even when they don't feel like showing up. Even when they feel like they're sinking. You might feel like in your relationship with the Lord you're sinking. That you've been praying, that you've been trying, that you've been resisting, but you keep failing. And and you just feel like, God, the harder I try, the harder it gets. Today, you might feel like your marriage is sinking. You might feel like your relationship with your children is sinking. You might feel like your job is sinking. You might feel like financially you just can't get ahead. You know, that you start making more money, but then everything costs more. Your hours are getting cut or benefits are getting cut. Medical care is getting more expensive and you feel like you're sinking. Financially, you might feel like in your relationships in some other capacity, you're sinking. You, you need friends, and you want friends, and you're lonely, and, 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 and you, you're just asking the Lord, God, can you send people into my life? And you've been praying that prayer, and you still feel like you're sinking. You might feel today like you're sinking into a pit of depression and despair, where anxiety and fear have more rule and reign over your life than the word of the Lord. Maybe even in your health today. Feel like you're just sinking into a pit, can I encourage you, even just right now, I mean, I don't, you don't need an altar call. Pray that prayer. Lord, save me. Lord, save my marriage, save my job, save my mind. God, God, I have so many thoughts of despair, so many thoughts of depression, so many anxious thoughts, Lord, Lord, that you would save me from myself. That in the middle of this storm, Jesus, that you would reach down further than I could reach up and that you would do a work in me, that you would save me, that you would save my family, that you would save my kids. Jesus, that you would save me and that you would remind me that the economy is not my provider, but Jesus, you, you are my provider. God, not only are you my provider, You are my provision. Lord, save me. And guess what? Peter prays this prayer, and immediately Jesus reached out and grabbed him. And and Jesus says, you know, you of of little faith, why why don't you trust me? Why didn't you believe? And for years, I've always read that, like, really frustrated Jesus. And, And maybe it's because... Growing up the way I did with the father that I had that, you know, there was a lot of frustration, if anybody understands what I'm saying. But, but remember, he's, he's a patient Lord. I, I think, I think when, when Jesus is talking to Peter and he says, oh, you little faith, I think it's more like, you know, patting him on the back saying, come on, man, why don't you just trust me? Why'd you stop looking at me? You started looking at all the other stuff. He started thinking about the circumstances that you can't control instead of looking at the one who's got it all under control, instead of trusting me. And Peter started looking at the storm. He started imagining the things that could be, and he began to sink. Jesus said, don't doubt, just believe. And then verse 32, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped then the disciples worshiped him and said you really are the son of god <clears throat> now as my voice is leaving me let me say this i think it's so important that we realize in this story that the wind and the storm did not stop when jesus showed up but that is when the wind and the storm started stopped having control over the disciples You know, Jesus doesn't guarantee us a storm-free life. But he does promise us to be with us in the middle of all the storms of life. Let me say it like this. Jesus doesn't always calm the storm. And I can't promise you today that just because you pray, Lord, save me, that your storm will stop. But I can promise you today that He will meet you where you are, and He will strengthen you in the middle of that storm. I can promise you that while He may not stop the storm, He will see you through to the other side of the storm. I I can't promise you that the winds will stop blowing and and that the waves will stop crashing. But I can't assure you from His Word and from my experiences that if you will take Him by His hand, He will lead you to places of still waters and green pastures. I I can promise you that if you will call upon the name of the Lord, you will find out that He is not only able to save you from sin, but He is able to save you from any ill effects the enemy would wish upon you. storms in this life are a guarantee. I mean, if you're not facing storms, you ain't doing nothing. If, if you're not facing trials, if you're not facing tribulations, if you're not facing hardships, then, then I don't know. you you're, you're not living life. I would, I would venture to say that literally every single person in this room, even, even the children, that if we were to take the microphone and pass it around, I think that we would all have at least one storm that we could say, this is something I'm facing right now, and I need God to help me because I don't know how it's going to work out. And so when storms come, how do we react? How do we respond? That is the question that we have to answer. So now that I'm done with the introduction of my sermon, let me give you four things that we can do when storms come. Number one, we can run from the storm. You know, I'm from Mississippi where tornadoes are just as common as mosquitoes. And they always tell you, if you ever see a tornado, don't try to outrun it. You can't outrun them. They'll they'll get you. They'll get you. (laughs) And listen, you you can't run from storms. You can try. But all you're going to do is delay the inevitable. And you're also going to forfeit all that the Lord wants to accomplish in you and through you in that storm. Because remember, the Lord may not send the storm, but He will use it. He will use it. You can run from it and delay it. You can try to get away from it and deny it. But you're going to miss out on the good things the Lord wants to do. So you can run from the storm. Number two, you can question God because of the storm. My goodness, I found myself here so many times, y'all. God, why, if you're a good God, would you allow such bad things to happen? Come on, I can't be the only one that's prayed that honest prayer before. God, I thought you loved me. Why would you do this to me? God, you're all powerful. You're all knowing. Lord, why would you do that? I'm sure Peter and and John and Matthew and even Judas were all like, Jesus, you knew the storm was coming and you still pushed the boat off the shore. What what are you thinking? You know, a lot of times when when we're in the middle of storms, we want to ask why. Why, God? thought you were good. I thought you wanted to make my life easier. And Jesus would say, listen, if you'd read the scriptures, you'd know that's not what I'm all about. So we can run from it. We can question God because of it. Number three, we can try to find a shortcut around the storm. We can ask ourselves, what's the quickest way I can get through this? How How can I circumvent what the Lord's trying to show me? And just instead of 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 going from you know a place of ease and then into the storm how can I just how can I just get through the hard parts as quickly and easily as possible that's that's what a lot of people who are immature try to do they haven't grown up enough to understand this is going to sound like such a weird thing but they haven't matured enough to understand the benefit of pain Hey, there's very little in your life that is good that is not either the product of yours or someone else's suffering. That is not the product of yours or someone else's pain. All, all the ladies in the house, no, listen. If you want to enjoy a baby, you got to give birth to that baby. And I ain't ever done it, but I've seen it and it looked rough. <laughs> Seen it too many times. That's another story for another day itself. Listen, if you wanna if you wanna get biceps like Don You're gonna have to work for it. It's gonna cause some pain. So if you wanna grow some muscles, you gotta tear some fibers. Listen, uh, that's my guitar back there that that uh Toby's playing now because he wanted to trade it into Martin for Gibson like a real man, but that's, (laughs) I used to have a Martin too. I started learning to play guitar in college mainly because when I saw guys playing guitar girls stood around them and I thought that was a good idea. I started playing guitar and I noticed very quickly it hurts. Any guitar players know what I'm talking about? It doesn't feel good. In fact, in those first few weeks of playing, it hurt so bad and it tore my fingers up so much that it actually caused my hands to bleed, my fingers to bleed, as the skin on my fingers would tear. But you know what began to happen when I persevered through the pain? Is is where there was tenderness, my fingers started to develop calluses and get harder so that so that what used to hurt me actually became easier for me. And and so when you try to shortcut through the pain, you are robbing yourself of the benefit of what the Lord wants to do in and through you in the middle of that pain. So you can't run from the storm. You can't can't question God through the storm. You can't try to shortcut it. I mean, you can, but you're just cheating yourself and you're robbing yourself from all the good things God wants to do in you and through you in the middle of that storm. So, so, So what else is there left to do? Well, number four, we're going to walk on that storm. I think what's so cool to me is Peter walks, literally, he makes a pathway out of the storm to get to the promise of the presence of Jesus. He, he puts that storm under his feet. Now listen, he may sink for a moment, but he doesn't stay in that water very long until Jesus picks him back up. And so he faced that storm. He locked eyes with Jesus who was Lord of the storm and he stepped out into the middle of the storm and he used it to get where God was taking him to be. Now listen my friend, you're going to be facing some storms in your life. Many of you are facing storms today. You can try to run from it. You can try to question it. You can try to shortcut it or you can step out of that boat and you can lock eyes with Jesus and you can say to that storm get under my feet I got places to be and I got a Jesus to go after and listen when you sink when you fall when you stumble when you mess up when you get distracted the devil would say oh you're a failure now Oh, you messed up. Oh, you done said something. You done done something. You done done lost sight of what really mattered. No, just do like Peter and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Please help me. And guess what? You're back walking on water again. I love that Peter takes that storm. And he says, hey, I need a walking path. I I need something to put my feet on to get me where I'm going. Isn't that the way the Lord does it so often in our lives? The things that the enemy sent to destroy us. God says, hey, why don't you just use that as a road to get to the blessing that I have for you? Why don't you just use that pain, that problem, that storm, that that setback. Why don't we just turn that into some pavement? Because I got places to take you. I got things I want to do in you so when you face the storm, don't run from it, don't question it, don't try to shortcut it. Just get out of the boat and put it under your feet and say to that storm, listen, I will not stay, I will not live at the mercy of what I will not, or what I cannot control. I will live focused on the one who's called me his own. Will you stand with me? If you're facing a storm today, I do want you to pray and ask the Lord, God, what are you showing me in this storm? I want you to ask the Lord, what are you teaching me through this storm? What are you doing in me through this storm? God, what are, you, what, are you, what are you wanting to pull out of me? How are you helping me to grow? Whatever storm you're facing, listen, you're not at the mercy of the storm. No. If you will gain a proper perspective of who he is, you will find out that that storm is at the mercy of you. I want to invite you for just a few moments to bow your heads and close your eyes all across the room. First and foremost, Jesus cannot be Lord of your storm until he is first Lord of your life. And for many of you today, you're struggling because you want him to be Lord of your storm. You want him to be masters of the water and master of the sea and master of the winds and the waves. But he first and foremost needs to be the master of your life. So today, if you're far from the Lord, if you feel distant from God and you would say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life, whether it be for the first time or the 100th time, would you just lift your hand high in the air right where you're standing so I can pray for you right where you are. I see you, brother. I see you, ma'am. I see you. I see you. I see you all across the room. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Lifehouse family, let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me for dying for me please forgive me of my sin be Lord of my life I want to live for you I belong to Jesus today and every day in Jesus name Amen can we celebrate these several individuals Now I know we prayed earlier, but I also want to do this again. I I don't want to just rush through this. I don't want to get through th- just to get to the, what we've got going on. But today, if you're if you're going through a storm and you just need some encouragement to be reminded that you're not alone, that there is a God who's with you, and that there are people of God who are with you, right where you are standing. And this is going to take a little boldness but with everyone looking around and everybody's eyes open and you would say, Pastor Drew, I need I need Jesus to save me right now. Would you lift your hand high in the air? Just right where you are, just lift it high, come on. I saw one, they put it right back down because they were scared, it's okay, lift it high. All right, keep them up, keep them up, it's okay, it's okay. This is what we do around here. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we bear one another's burdens. That's what the Bible tells us to do. We bear one another's burdens. Lifehouse family, I want you to look around. We've got several over here, Bill in the back. We got, it's okay. I want Lifehouse family, if your hand is not up, I want you to go to one of these men or women whose hand is up. And I want you to join with them, to lay hands on them respectfully, but powerfully. And let's believe God to move in their life, to move on their behalf, to rescue them from the middle of their storm, to do a work in their life, to touch them. Listen, you may have come to the altar earlier in the service, but hey, that's okay. If you need the Lord to move in your life, there's no reason to to say, well, I've already been prayed for once, I can't be prayed for again. No, 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 that's not true. Come on, anybody else, anybody else? All right, family, let's believe the Lord together. Let's pray on behalf of one another.